0: A set of misplaced hysteria that is, um, that is emerging from something that people don't understand, which kind of ties back to what I said at the beginning of the thing. It's like, this is the first time we've interacted with anything other than a parrot that can actually string together a coherent sentence. Like, And, and, and it sounds stupid, but it's actually true. It's like, we, we haven't been able to do that with anything else before. So we are anthropomorphizing, like we are projecting our own consciousness onto this thing and we are immediately imagining uh, Terminator you know uh, minority report God knows what else we're fucking imagining like um, you know the Ray Kurzweil's of the world like we're imagining that all of a sudden that's it we we unlocked it we, basically we discovered God like we, we, we did it you know and to me that is like such a mix of naivete ignorance and arrogance it's just not even funny
1: What is up, guys? Welcome back to AI Unchained. And we have the second episode of this show, and we have an interview today. Um, and there's something, I may actually even do a read like I do on Bitcoin Audible, because I think this piece that we're going to be talking about next is really important. But today, um, I, want to, I want to talk about bias in AI. And I had a conversation with Alex Fetsky. Uh, about a week and a half ago, and we essentially went down this rabbit hole and practically had a podcast episode on the phone. And we had, a, had to cut ourselves short, and we were like, wait a second, this is stupid. We need to just be talking about this on the show. Because I think this is very much at odds with the way people are thinking about AI right now, especially the mainstream. And there's this there's this really bizarre idea that we're chasing this this god, this general intelligence, we're creating this new species and all of these things, and this overactive imagination to personify this thing because we're talking to it. And uh, and Alex has just a really great perspective on this, and he is building something really, really exciting in the AI space right now, which we will not be unveiling on this show, but we will be covering in a second show as a follow-up to this one. And I think you guys, I think you guys are going to be really, really interested in it. It's something that's really fascinating to me, and I think it's pushing AI in a direction that it needs to go. And I think this is a conversation that's really important to have about the idea of bias and truth, and whether or not there is, there is something that we can fundamentally call unbiased at all, or what that even means in the context of a language model. And I, I hope you probably noticed that I'm a little bit stuffy. I don't sound totally up to stuff. Um, I'm, uh, I'm a bit sick after the conference. I apparently hugged one too many people. And so I'm a little bit under the weather. But luckily I've got a lot of energy because I'm really excited about this show. And, uh, and I want to go ahead and just go ahead and get into it. And I will, let, I will let Svetsky kick this off by opening the show the same way he opened our conversation on the phone. Get ready. You're going to love this. Alex Svetsky. Welcome to AI Unchained. This is the second episode of our show. And one of the things you actually just mentioned uh, has me excited about the third episode. Um, But don't want to get ahead of myself too quickly. Uh, (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to the show, man. Um, I am so glad to have you here. And I so you and I had a conversation just like a week ago or week and a half ago or so on the phone. And it was funny to... That you had no idea that i had started the show where i was i was kind of diving down this rabbit hole and then what you explained to me and what we talked about on the phone was so comically the exact same thing that i had been thinking about for weeks and i was like we have got to break into this on the podcast and so here you are i'm glad we got this scheduled even though i'm still a little bit sick because bitcoin 2023 apparently just makes me sick this is like the third conference in a row i came home sick i don't even think of myself as somebody who gets sick a lot but i guess i have to change that bitcoin 2020 the bitcoin conferences just make me sick i don't know i think it was marty marty did it but anyway welcome to the show
0: boss thank you thank you for having me on buddy it's uh it's a pleasure to be having this kind of a discussion with uh with a bitcoiner with uh with good values and i think um yeah, these discussions need to be had and then just a the note on the getting sick don't change your identity sir remain the man that doesn't get sick i just think <laughs> the um the the bitcoin conferences are just emotionally draining man you know you you you, yeah. you exert so much it it kills us all i think that that's i hug too many people yeah i mean it could it could be that you know I'm just it like rubbing a, up against everybody it's, like it's oh what are your germs give me some of those it's all the ass grabbing the Oscar area. that's what it is yeah
1: that does it that does it yeah. Those are the, that's the real dermy area yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man dude okay so why don't you lay out for me the why don't you introduce it the way you introduced it to me on the
0: phone okay um so I've been I've been down this rabbit hole now for for a good six months and I and I, and I haven't done too much in the in the text to image space um i know there's a lot of people that are interested in that um I, i'm not too interested in it like there's a there's a one of my favorite blog writers in the world at the moment is a guy called john carter on um on substack and he, he he he's hands down i actually think he's the best writer i've ever read in my fucking life you know other than like the classics like Nietzsche and all that sort of stuff but like this guy is just like the most eloquent um i recommend everyone go check out his stuff but you know he, he has a interesting take on the generative ai from a from an artistic, you know, visual standpoint, and you know, he's he's unimpressed, and I'm I'm sort of more in that camp. I don't, you know, to me, it's cool, but you know, not too interesting for me. For me, where the interesting thing is, uh, is language, and as I've been down this rabbit hole, like what I set out to, you know, I was, I was tinkering with trying to build what I call um, true to character models. So I was trying to build like. Uh, personas that were not just you know linguistic representations of particular characters but um, also emulated a model of the world and what I found going down that rabbit hole was that basically these um you know first of all these these large language models you know we, we anthropomorphize things a lot like we you know this is the first time in human history that we've talked to something other than a parrot that kind of talks coherently back (laughs) <laughs> um, and seriously, like we, we haven't really done that Yeah, that's a good point. That's a seriously, good point. Like, um, and, and all of a sudden everyone's losing their minds. Oh my God, it's alive. It's, you know, when the reality is that, you know, probabilities and the laws of large numbers like strikes again, like looks like, you know, language is a little bit more rules based um, than what we thought. And, you know, we've cracked language. I don't, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination we've cracked intelligence. Um, but, you know, here we are. We crack language to to a large degree, um, and these you know what I call like stochastic parrots or probability machines um, are very good at stringing together coherent sentences, um, and you know they're contextually accurate and all that sort of stuff. And you know, voila, we have these large language models, as they're called, um, that people can chat with, that they can talk with, and it and it basically feels like you're speaking with a human uh, on the other end, more or less, right? Um, you you can tell you know when you sort of dig a little bit under the surface you know that it's you know not uh, you know it's not intelligent or it's not sentient but um, you know it it can like weave ideas together it can you know help you with code it can do all sorts of really interesting stuff so so for me that was fascinating but as I went down the rabbit hole what I found was um, you know I I wanted it despite you know prompting super prompting and all this sort of stuff to you know I I wanted it to like talk like Jordan Peterson for example. And man, I have fandangled this thing in every way possible. And, you know, when it came down to like, the language style, it was able to emulate it. But, you know, you would ask it something like that, you know, what Jordan Peterson's opinion on it would be like, you know, uh, I'm a six year old, should I, you know, change my sex, you know, like, from a boy to a girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be like, oh yeah, that, that's a tough decision, but you know, like at the end of the day, it's it's your choice kind of thing. Like it would just be like, no, no, that is like not what he would say. So
1: um He doesn't more understand do- the logic or the the reasoning behind things.
0: Well, it's, it does it doesn't have it doesn't have a Jordan Peterson has an opinion because he has a values hierarchy in terms of himself like this thing doesn't have essentially values hierarchy or if it does what ends up happening is it kind of gets like washed up in you know they they run all of these language models through what are called toxicity filters before people use them and these toxicity filters decide what is acceptable or what's not and part of what the the push is the big push in uh, large language model development is this idea of like making so, so the two core values the two primary values are. Harmlessness and helpfulness. They're the two things that they try and orient all um or, or at least all the mainstream language models toward, whether it's uh OpenAI, BERT, you know, BARD and all, all this other shit, right? Um so harmlessness and helpfulness. Not not truth or accuracy or any of that sort of stuff, harmlessness and helpfulness. And in doing so, another big thing that they're trying to do is remove bias from the model, right? And it's, you, you see it everywhere in all the articles and every time, you know, Sam Altman does a podcast and all this sort of stuff. It's like, we must remove bias from these models because we want them to be unbiased. You know, it, it, was, it was driving me crazy listening to these things. Something was rubbing me the wrong way. And then, like, you know, it, it hit me, which I think it hits most people when they, when they hear this kind of crap. It's like, how do you remove bias? Like, that, that is fundamentally an impossibility. Like, t- tell me something that exists that doesn't have a bias. Like, doesn't exist. So so to me, the way I understand this stuff is that like bias equals uh personality or opinion. Like how do you have an opinion on anything without a bias? And what I realized is like the best you can do is like either install a new bias, which is you know your definition of unbiased. So that's a lie. Um or you can neuter something, you can neuter the models to such a degree that they basically apologize every 30 minutes because they're trying to like walk on eggshells without telling you anything and to me it's like the um the uh the creation of a midwit language model that you know that like talks a lot but doesn't actually say anything and that's sort of the the two outcomes you get of removing bias so I'll, i'll shut up there at the moment and then we can kind of disseminate uh, a few bits and pieces, but basically the, the the core premise of the first thing I want to discuss is that bias removal is a scam, it doesn't exist, uh, and it's a stupid pursuit. And its pursuit could potentially also be dangerous by uh, defining something that is a new bias as non-biased, um, and you know turning all discourse into some you know overly polite apologetic horseshit. <laughs> Good cap on that one, I love it
1: <laughs> um, no one hundred percent, I think the idea it's very much like saying, uh, we're just going to remove all misinformation
0: mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. just only
1: going to tell the truth
0: mm-hmm. when
1: there is it's like, okay, so who knows the truth
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you're you're presupposing it's it's that it's the presumption of knowledge right it's the it's that. I There is some source of truth, there's some person or some opinion that is the unbiased. Yes. when the idea of being unbiased requires you to have some sort of value judgment as to what is a bias and what's not. And that is a bias. Mm-hmm. like there's mm-hmm. you' it, It's antithetical to the idea of the word and the idea of a singular perspective. So like let's say you think that all right- wing stuff especially going to the G7 and the mainstream and everything right now, is that anything right-wing is some particular bias or whatever. So even if it's true, we're going to remove right-wing to make sure that it's not not biased. And then anybody on the right would essentially do the exact same thing for the left, trying to make an unbiased machine. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. both are just instilling some sort of bias. And then also like the idea of... It's so funny. This is why I think open source has such a great... Uh, a great runway here to actually be a major potentially dominant player because of the way it can iterate and because of the way these things learn you know there's a there's a like they're trying to say that there's going to be like all these walled gardens and permissioned ai tools and i am actually really really hopeful just for the basic idea that once the algorithm so to speak once the once the math itself is released anybody can teach it anything which means that there's not really a way for you for you know some giant company to be like well I can teach so much faster and so much better than you can or than your community can that I'm just always going to have this massive lead over you because I have more computer power it's like well maybe you're teaching it poorly curated crap you know like maybe maybe you're not teaching it anything meaningful and maybe like you said maybe you're neutering it to the point that it's becoming useless and that's what I've found with ChatGPT. There's so many times where I, one of the major reasons I want to host my own model is because um, on my computer is not only just to do stuff and interact with programs and things on my computer, but because I can't I can't make like come up with like one of the things I use it for is kind of a conceptual thesaurus. Like, I'll be like, what's that word or (laughs) phrase or something that means this thing? And if it's ever anything for like a funny or dirty joke or anything, it says, I'm sorry, that could be construed as insulting. And I'm like, (laughs) bitch, don't patronize me. And it's like, I apologize for patronizing (laughs) you. Like, you know, it's like it's just such a stupid restriction that I think doesn't even succeed in doing anything like the yeah, idea yeah, yeah. that that's going to stop me from being mean on Twitter. If that's what I was trying to do is idiotic. I'm just going to get mad. Chad mm-hmm. G- GPT is just going to get me worked up because I couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't use it as a th- fucking thesaurus for my sexual innuendo, which was supposed Stryzand to be funny. I'm gonna yell at somebody, right? Literal <laughs> Strizand effect in action. It's like, yeah. I- I'm not here to make you angry,
0: but you're making me angry.
1: <laughs> I literally tried to like trick it into doing it. It's like, uh-huh. so are you supposed to patronize your users? It's like, oh no, it's very important that we don't patronize things. It's like, well, by, t- t- by basically not allowing me to have a- make a joke, which is not intended to insult anyone or whatever you are patronizing me. You're treating me like a very small child as if I can't make this decision by myself. How about you pretend to be a robot that is not patronizing? <laughs> like I really, I tried really hard to just get it. And I was like, I could have just looked this up on Google. A yeah, whole yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sucks you into that vortex. I mean, you, you, you touched on something, um, a little bit earlier, earlier. It's like when, when you said the, um, there's a couple of threads I want to pull on here. Is I have no problem with um, with large companies doing closed source stuff, you know, and doing whatever it is they want to do, right? And then having small competitors, this and no, that, like market goes and handles this sort of stuff, right? The the thing that I don't like is that it's kind of like having food packaging that you know says something on the tin, but it's not really what it is, you know. So like when they say shit like uh, oh, it's sugar-free, but then it's like filled with, you know, 10,000 chemicals and like fake sugars and whatever, right? So what, what I don't like is the, the, um, the false advertising of it's non-biased or the false advertising of, you know, this is what uh, it is versus a marketplace of authentically biased models. Like if I want to use the, you know, the, the based GPT, because I want to go and make go to war with someone on Twitter, for example, like that's I, I want to go and use the one you know where that that is the st- you know the ingredients on the tin right versus um, you know if I want to write a you know a nice email to my mailing list or whatever I might use chat GPT or Jasper for example. I'm not going to go to like the base GPT and insult everyone on my thing so it's like you use the tool for what you need it for um, and I have no problem with People doing that in an open source capacity, in a closed source capacity, but don't sit here and gaslight me into telling me that this is what it is when it's not. It's like it's like literally the packaging says one thing and the ingredients are something else, and and that's that's probably where um, where I would say like I've got my my biggest problem uh, with with these with these uh, with these models, and basically just the. The white knighting, gaslighting, like, you know, just the classic mainstream. It's like, you know, the holier than now, oh, you know, we're here to save the world. And without us, you know, the robots are going to take over. So we must, you know, <laughs> safety, alignment, you know, like the amount of times I hear the word like safety and responsibility. It's like, just shut up, man. Like, just don't tell me that that's what you care about when you really don't. And it's really not a factor here. Like, it's just straight up gaslighting.
1: You know, and there's there's something else, too, is the the focus. Like, I think there's a couple of things here, actually, to unpack. Is One mm-hmm. is it's antithetical to the idea of progress from a cultural and knowledge sense, is that the reason, and this is why I think open source should go this way, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I think the whole ecosystem should go this way towards extremely explicit bias, mm-hmm. that there should mm-hmm. be based mm-hmm. GPT, mm-hmm. there should mm-hmm. be right-wing GPT, etc., um and um uh, and that it should be built this way because the entire idea of progress is competition among ideas correct is yes which perspective aligns with reality which perspective and values produces the best results in someone's life and so when you're only using base gpt maybe being a jackass all the time isn't successful in a social in mm-hmm. a social environment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you need to be punished you, you mm-hmm. need to see the consequences yes. of being based GPT all the time if that's the case. You need the feedback. And you need feedback. You need feedback to understand. Like Again, it's the pretense of knowledge. We don't know. We don't know what the path is. We don't know what the best alignment is, what the best values are. They survive because they are most aligned with the world. So if we are just forcing everyone into some prepackaged thing, it's the same centralizing risk that we have in so many other areas mm-hmm. of life is that we just presume that there is one way to do everything and then we just rope everybody into the giant, into one giant risk factor one giant like system where when it, when it turns out that we're insanely narcissistic and we don't know shit about the real world and we're wrong we all die together yes, we all yes, fail yes, yes, at the yes. same time and look at what's happening with our financial system look what's happening with our political system these are the consequences we are living through right now. We really shouldn't do that again with AI. Like we should really make sure that we prevent that outcome yet again because you're looking at an order of magnitude bigger consequences when these things get that much more interdependent with our lives.
0: It's the same playbook, man. You know, you you just nailed it there. It's the same playbook once again. It's the it's the, you know, the re- I shouldn't say the word but like the you know the backwards let's say galaxy brain idea that hey if only you know some committee was able to regulate you know what should be said and and what's what's I think really insidious about this whole um this regulatory approach like all the, there's this guy called Gary Marcus that is like a you know a so-called advocate for AI safety right you know and it, to, to me he sounds like what you know one of these like nerd hysterics that you know I I mean he he, the thing is I I don't think he's that dumb to believe everything he's saying like that AGI somewhere around the corner like Mark Bison that that article that I sent you the 60 trillion dollar man like he he yes obliterated him right um but you know he he sort of says in there it's like uh, these people they just want to create a new committee to like stop the impossible um because you can't the the impossible sounds so potentially dangerous that the world might end, but it's so hard to prove it one way or the other that you just get to create a committee that, you know, is a new tax leech on the system. And, you know, you get people, it's it's, it's like, it's climate change 2.0. Um, yeah. With a even more potentially um, ephemeral concept of like, if we don't, if we don't put this committee together now, and if we don't um, essentially regulate speech, because that's essentially what they're saying, you know, like you, yeah. you think about these what these large language models are—that they're, they're speech, it's a communication—and what they're suggesting is that we should have a committee made up by the same idiots who just locked the world down and you know went through all that hysteria. We should get the same people or the same kind of person to put together a committee that regulates what is considered safe or approved discourse in the tools that we're all gonna be using to interact with applications moving forward. Like, if that if that's not the dumbest idea on the planet, like other than I mean, maybe BSV could compete with like the title <laughs> of the dumbest idea on the planet, like next to this that. There's
1: gonna be a lot of people listen, to only AI and change are like, what is he talking about?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shitcoins, man, just shit yeah. coins. Like it it is it is up there with the greatest stupidity. So th- this is um, that's where I think you know the, the risk is. And anyway, like I, I think that coming back to what I said earlier, like what's the insidious part here is that what these uh, safety and responsibility uh, calls for regulation <clears throat> um, basically boil down to is a a regulation on speech. It's a regulation on discourse. It's a regulation on language. That, that's really what it is. And um, I think that is not only stupid, but extremely dangerous.
1: And also, don't forget to check out today's sponsor. Um, they sponsor and make Bitcoin Audible possible. Um, but I love, I just freaking love the Fold app and the Fold card. It is my daily driver. I've been using it for a couple of years now. Um, in fact, my old boring bank, traditional bank card doesn't see any activity at all, except for transfers to Fold. Uh, but this is a crazy low barrier way to get into Bitcoin to start a Bitcoin savings account that you don't even have to purchase. You get one percent back on everything that you buy. My utilities, I get one percent back. My tax payment this year, I got one percent back. My my mortgage. Uh, most mortgages can use. Actually, mine doesn't let me. Uh, but there's a PayPal pay through PayPal trick. My groceries, literally anything that you buy with this debit card, not a credit card, a debit card, gets you 1% back. I have 21, and some thousand sats, which is around $6,000 in savings just over a few years of using this. Understand, understand, I didn't buy this. I did not purchase this Bitcoin. This is just essentially free from using the full debit card. If you are interested in getting into Bitcoin, this is a crazy low-barrier way to do it. So check them out right there in the show notes. And uh, my link should get you 20,000 sats for free just for signing up, actually. For the free version, by the way. No paying anything like that. Just go get some sats. Seriously, check it out if you haven't. All right. With that, let's jump back into the show. Another thing that this makes me think of, too, is the idea of safety. Um, uh, we are... Uh, next monday probably before we do our second episode i'm gonna have um somebody who is a uh had a long conversation with him at bitcoin 2023 actually um and he's a bit of a ai doomsayer um Mm -hmm. he's a developer and he's scared to death as to and he's already seeing this being live like like people are already having this problem and it's kind of like the very first iterations of it Of AI malware, automated AI malware that can basically evolve itself and respond to the basically the barriers it runs into, Um, and essentially a lot of people in tech aren't talking about it because they don't quite know how to deal with it, Um, and I think this is there was there was this constant or this uh, regular kind of thing that we were talking about in the conversation and we'll get into it really deep because I want to, I want to really hit the dark side hard and the positive side because, because I think they really are juxtaposed in a really kind of crazy way that the, the potential rewards and the benefits of this are staggering as well as the p- potential downsides for how this could be used. Um, but uh, that uh, like AI malware is, is a beast. It, it's a thing to, genuinely be concerned about especially because the internet is just riddled with security holes mm-hmm. and open networks are, are almost universally they just have problems you know like it's an adversarial network when your adversary has a 10x 100x in capacity you might have a serious problem on your hands mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but what he finds just mind-boggling which i know we'll get into on the show is that when they're talking about safety they're talking about insulting people mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and having like not woke opinions and it's like what is wrong with you people that you think this is the concern that you look at these tools and you're worried you're worried about insulting someone's somebody, feelings on yeah. social media like could you have your priorities so far out of line and he's like you know it's and it's typical that Blue team is behind red team, you know, the attackers Mm -hmm. always, Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. damage always comes before the solution, um, which in this case, uh, which might lend towards, it's funny, we kind of went back and forth as to whether or not that means, you know, should this be kept from the public because of the degree of damage that can be done, or should this be as aggressively open as possible so that we can adjust incrementally as more and more damage happens, you know, um, But it's it's just a really interesting way to think about it. The thing that blew my mind was and that both of us were just like, this is unbelievable. I can't believe that this is the framing is that the major concern is people being insulted is sexual innuendo in Chad GPT or some shit. You know, it's just like the priorities are so absolutely batshit that they're literally going to lead to exactly the problems because they're they're focused on something this idiotic. It's literally childish to I mean, when I talked about chat gpt patronizing me. It's the most patronizing shit for the population mm-hmm. that you could possibly imagine. That this is our concern.
0: Yeah, Just I mean, it's it's, God. it's like the um, yeah, like I mean, it's it's because I guess we we live in a world of um, it's 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 almost comical. Like if you kind of zoom out, like you know, God must really be laughing at us at the moment. Is like, man, you you idiots have like the biggest problems. Like you know, you're you're hyperinflating. Your your civilization's falling apart. And you know you're, you're you're fighting over you know people insulting each other over frog avatars on a what is a woman website yeah I'm exactly a woman. Like, yeah like women oh. have penises and periods and stuff <laughs> it's like th- there's there's something really funny about this whole situation like you know we're, we're at the precipice of like such seismic technological shifts economic shifts and all this sort of stuff and um, you know there's the Canadian, you know, uh, I'm just the the image I have in my head is that um, the transsexual committee that was up on stage for the you know the Canadian politics. Remember, it oh, looked God, like I, yes, it, I know it that looked picture, like an yeah. image, yeah, yeah, it, like looked like something from <laughs> a clown show. And you're like, wait a minute, is this is this? From it was really some real?
1: combination. It was some combination <laughs> of Hunger Games and Zoolander. It was somewhere oh, just, in the middle. There.
0: <laughs> like, but that's 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 what's going on. Like, that's the real issues. You know what I mean? Like versus like these bigger things and um it's it's really comical it's really comical in some sense um and sad at the same time
1: yeah it's a comedy in both the funny and tragic sense
0: (laughs) yeah yeah
1: yeah in, in the total sense of the word
0: it it reminds me of so i just i just published an article on bitcoin magazine today saying you know uh it's it's about sort of when bitcoin meets ai and it's a really short piece um and I kind of like think of it as like when this uh you know what what does this all mean because there's a lot of there's a lot of bitcoiners now I know that are all like feeling a bunch of fomo around AI they're like, oh, you know is this the biggest thing like blah 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 and my my argument in this thing is like, no, look, Bitcoin is still king, Bitcoin remains the biggest thing, like Bitcoin is the substrate, and you know a i for me is is still fundamentally a tool it's it's not gonna be like I don't think it's a new form of life. You know, I, I, don't, I don't sit in that camp. Like, I, I think it's a tool. It is potentially an extremely powerful tool. Um, if we restrict the tool's uh, ownership to a few people, this is very dangerous. If we restrict the utility of the tool uh, to the point where it just becomes a, you know, a an NPC um, regulator, that's, I think, extremely dangerous. If the tool becomes uh, a a orwellian screen through which we view the world that's really dangerous but still it's fundamentally a tool and one of the one of the things i said in the article i'll just read it here is um is uh where the hell is it um it's ai is an amplifier it's an engine like it's an amplifier and it will either like and it it actually reinforces why Bitcoin's so important. Is it's either going to amplify the madness, which is what what it's doing, right? Like we we see so much madness in the world, you know, where our, like our political uh, world has become like you know quibbling over the stupidest things when you know real problems exist. So now AI is is a mirror of that. We we, we think safety is about like offending people about the word bitch uh, versus you know, these real problems like you mentioned with, with the malware. So it's like mirroring that. Whereas if, at least I believe that if we had a a sound substrate and you have, you sort of add AI on top of that, you amplify soundness, you amplify sanity. So it's like you, you either amplify insanity or you amplify sanity. And and AI is kind of like that, that loud hailer in both senses. And And to me, that reinforces why Bitcoin is still so fundamentally important is that, we don't get that piece right. We're going to fucking, I don't know. It's like a Wally kind of future. It's like, it really becomes dumb. No, I I love that. That framing
1: is that it's just an amplifier. It's just a bigger amplifier than what we have had previously. Um, It's an amplifier of the individual really um, because it really is empowering to the individual in a, in a crazy, crazy way, especially as these things get, like separated from this idea that oh you need ten thousand gpus to actually run them and it's amazing how fast that that statement became nonsense to run some of these large language models like i'm going to be able to run basically chat gpt4 on a consumer machine i mean it's a expensive consumer machine but i'm going to be able to run it um and it's really crazy how quickly these things are changing and uh, one thing that I, I've been kind of bugging them on their Discord, um, and in fact, I haven't, done my, I haven't done it in a couple of days, so I need to annoy them again, um, but there's a company called Modular, um, and they've created a, a programming language called Mojo, which is literally uh, going to be... Tell me about this, yeah. Yes, yeah, like 100x to 200x hardware to, to execution, to, to software, to Python um, improvement. Which is just fascinating to me, um and I think these things will again like we will shrink down, I think it's Moore's law on steroids um is the ability to run the the more advanced quote unquote AI on smaller and smaller machines will be an aggressive path towards towards that trend, essentially. um but uh uh you talked about um
0: oh crap, I forgot what my original point was. Well, let me, let me, let me ask you that is, do do you think that negates like the the fact that there's a trend towards people, um, you know, using this in an individual capacity? Do you think that potentially negates some of these, you know, broader risks, particularly the one of like amplifying madness because we live in a mad world You know, we, you know, AI as a tool amplifies madness. Social media is an example of that, right? So social media is a tool, um, but we're we're at a stage in the cycle of humanity where, you know, we're we're fundamentally that there's a a cultural and social sickness that basically social media just brings to the surface, right? Everyone is pissed off. Everyone's angry. You know, everyone is like detached from themselves, all that sort of stuff. So Yeah. You know, what does what does AI, even personally, you know, accessible AI do in that environment? Like, do do you think that helps? Does it amplify? Does it correct us? Like, or, or you know, is the answer to that? I,
1: yes. This is why <laughs> I think the <laughs> this is why I think the the push towards self hosting AI and training your own AI on your little world and on your machines and in your network is so important for a couple of different reasons. One is because I think the best way to defend against something like AI malware is an AI defense is is for it to be watching your network and to make sure to essentially assess connections. Um and uh but in addition is um more generally is I think a large part of there's a great quote by Fuck, Charlie, somebody. Um, But it's, uh, people go insane in crowds. People go insane Mm -hmm, in groups. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And they come back to sanity one at a time,
0: mm
1: -hmm. uh, individually. And so the more that this empowers the individual, the more I think it actually is a push against the collective insanity that Mm -hmm. we have seen arise in the last 20 to 30 years, more generally. Um, and that the more that we can amplify what the values and the decisions of the individual are, I mean, you know, that's what Bitcoin is, right? Is that to actually put the individual back in charge of the economy when we've had these top down structures where the individual has basically been eviscerated from it. People don't realize it, but when you can print $6 trillion out of thin air and you can just wipe out 3 million people's worth of entire economic existence in, in a snap you know just like all the corporations that y- all the products and services and things that you thought you input in the world um it just completely erased just replaced by a counterfeit machine in an instant um like that's not a free market people don't think about it that way but that's what it is is a counterfeit market we're mm-hmm. completely mm-hmm. run by politics um <clears throat> and, and the fact that you can go and pick between a apple and an android has nothing to do with that like, like that's not that's not your impact if somebody can just erase just decide, pick and choose winners across the entire economy and 40 percent of small businesses can be shut down in 2020 just nonsense um but um in that same vein this is actually the point i was i had forgotten earlier when you brought up the idea of like everybody going mad was that um i think ai i, I talked about this with jeff booth as i said ai could be the worst thing that ever happened to us If we stay on a fiat standard
0: Mm -hmm, if we mm -hmm. stay in a
1: misallocated top-down world Mm -hmm. um but it could be the best thing that ever happened to us if we actually realign with the individual and we have a bitcoin sound money standard um and i genuinely believe that and i don't think that's just like a talking point or whatever like i think this is about empowering the individual Ah. to actually have the values of the person like what does my family mean to me what does my community mean to me and how do i put that force, how do I put that influence out into the world and how do I make sure this AI is responding to my values? And it's a whole lot less dangerous for someone to have an AI and have bad values if everybody else has their own AI that has good values, mm-hmm, you know what
0: mm-hmm, I mean?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I think that's the best path forward. And the more we try to top down this thing and have an unbiased AI, the more we're just all roped into your values are going to be this and we're going to manipulate you into this path. And again, huge, huge centralization risk. And then as soon as, I mean, who's really the largest risk for AI malware? CIA, it's Department of Defense. And if we have like an AI pause, they're not going to pause. They're going to stop shit. Mm-hmm. They're going to teach okay. this thing how to kill as many people as possible, how to mm-hmm. manipulate people. Um, and they're going to do it out of, we have to do it faster than the CIA does. And they'll design something that gets away with them, gets away from them in no time. You know, they'll Wuhan lab this thing and and if we don't have the tools if we don't have access to the tools and begin thinking about this as an adversarial situation where we need to defend ourselves from that possible scenario um we're going to be in for a really rude awakening because governments governments are trained to control and kill people um like like that is one of their that is their raison d'etre in a lot of ways um is is how do we keep power um and but the good thing is you know, they there's always this this analogy or whatever, it's like oh, this is like you're never giving everybody a nuclear bomb, and <laughs> <such> a- it's <sighs> like who's dead in, who detonates nuclear bombs? Who who's the one who keeps who's the one who's actually
0: bombed people? Um, I mean, it's and not only in that, that sense, but that's such, a, that's such a hyperbolic statement. That's such, it's, it's like, it is ridiculous. It it's, is ridiculous. it's one of those hysteria causing things. It's like get the fuck out of here, man. Like anyway, <laughs> so sorry, sorry, sorry. I just had to say that. <clears throat> I'll let you continue. No, like I said, it's it's an amplifier, or
1: like like you said, I mean, um, is that it's just an amplifier for all of our values and all of our things, and it's not a nuclear bomb. The idea of it being a nuclear bomb is idiotic because. A nuclear bomb isn't less powerful because a lot of people have it, but a an attacking AI is a whole lot less powerful if if everybody has kind of a defensive AI,
0: Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. has a network
1: that has been penetration tested and Mm -hmm. fixed by Mm -hmm. an AI. Um, Mm -hmm. It's like, oh well, then the bad AI can learn on the good AI. Well, the good AI can learn on the bad. You you know, like it's 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 an ever it's an ecosystem. You know, it it is genuinely evolution of intelligence. Um, And you know, there's also a really interesting that I uh, thank you so much for sending me that article, though, because I would not have found it. The Bison but what's mm-hmm, his mm-hmm.
0: name? Mark, Mark Bison Yeah,
1: Bison. Bison. Um, is the idea because one of the things that he said in it right towards the beginning too that was just like, Oh, my God, that's so true. Is everybody's talking about like, Oh, this thing is conscious? Is this thing? Uh, you know, is this thing actually alive and, and all this stuff? And it's like, okay, we'll define consciousness.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like
1: nobody, nobody can define consciousness. So we're, we're chasing this idea of, is it this thing that we can't even define for ourselves, which is completely, it's like, it is literally like chasing God It's yeah. chasing God is chasing something that we explicitly can't define.
0: So I, I started a, a little Substack um, a number of months ago called authentic intelligence. And the, the first or second essay in there tries to tackle this thing. I said, okay, everyone's running around talking about AGI. First of all, we haven't even defined what the fuck intelligence means. There's no consensus around that word, let alone what artificial intelligence then means and then what an artificial general intelligence means. And there's these like all these confusing conflations between, you know, does AGI mean like intelligence or does it actually mean consciousness? Because I think what most people are afraid of is that they're afraid of a conscious sentient being emerging from the the, the computer in some sense. But that that's a different realm to intelligence. Like intelligence and consciousness live in two different fucking places. Um, and like it's – it's it's yeah, Is my case calculator of, like, intelligent? Yeah.
1: Like I mean the, it's a form of it, is it I mean, not?
0: Exactly. So, so it's like, what, what do we really mean by intelligence? Like there's, there's all these like different narrow components that make up intelligence um, that we don't know whether um, their combination is actually what gives us consciousness anyway. Like, so, so there's all this sort of, I, I think it's like a, a set of misplaced hysteria that is um, that is emerging from something that people don't understand, which kind of ties back to what I said at the beginning of the thing. It's like this is the first time we've interacted with anything other than a parrot that can actually string together a coherent sentence. Like, And and, and it sounds stupid, but it's actually true. It's like we, we haven't been able to do that with anything else before. So we are anthropomorphizing. Like we are projecting our own consciousness onto this thing. And we are immediately imagining uh, Terminator – you know, uh, minority report, God knows what else we're fucking imagining. Like, um, you know, the Ray Kurzweil's of the world, like we're imagining that all of a sudden that's it. We, we unlocked it. We basically, we discovered God, like we, we, we did it, you know? And to me, that is like such a mix of naivete, ignorance, and arrogance. It's just not even funny. It's like to think that we have managed to like, through basically a stochastic probability machine, that's literally what we've done to think that we've actually, invented consciousness or discover consciousness is like hubris of the highest order. And and it's it's probably not surprising considering how ridiculous humanity is at this point in time. Like, you know, we thought we could like manage a virus and, you know, everything else that we, you know, we can manage the climate, bro. Like we, we can't, we can't tell the weather a week from now, but we're going to like manage the global climate. Um, yeah. And, and it's the same with, uh, and it's the same with this- manage the
1: climate. We're going to, we're going to make, Permanent prosperity, and we're going to just control the price of debt, and everything's going to
0: be great. Yeah,
1: it's
0: ridiculous. It's, it's insane. So, so it's the same. It's the same thing here. It's like, I man, I'm. I'll, I'll send you the link to that article. I think it's. I it. it I, I don't Definitely try. Do. And, do. I don't try and place any answers. I, I'm not here to say like, I, oh, you know, this is how we get to consciousness, or this is what intelligence means. I just ask a bunch of questions, and it's like, okay, if we haven't an answered this, 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 then fucking talk to me about. We're going to have, you know conscious intelligence emerge out of a computer tomorrow. It's like we we were so far from that it's not even funny um, we're We're overzealously
1: perf- personifying this thing because it talks,
0: mm-hmm. you know because <laughs> exactly. it's software yeah.
1: that sounds like a human. Mm-hmm. Um, when it might just turn out that language predicting the next sentence isn't that complicated of an intelligent thing. Um, and you know, Gigi actually had a really great post underneath, uh, something I posted on Noster just talking about like, um, I made an analogy as, as I've been like trying to make sense of how these things work. One thing just kind of struck me while I was reading, um, a piece trying to make sense of language models. Um, uh, in like normal language was that this is largely like a, uh, an insanely, insanely efficient compression model. It's a way to compress all of this information, all of these images and things on the internet. But it's a very, very lossy compression, meaning that, like, I can take all of these pictures of cats and put this into my image generation model. But I can't actually recover any individual image of a cat, like this exact picture from this exact Mm -hmm, place. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. what I have compressed is the idea of a cat, and so
0: pattern of the pattern, the pattern pattern of a cat. Yeah, yeah.
1: And it's just pattern recognition, so I can regenerate that cat in a completely different image. But one of the really kind of crazy things about it, which I thought about while I was on the plane going to the conference was that because I had stable diffusion and all this stuff on my computer, is that I didn't have the internet. But it was kind of like I had the internet on my computer.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: is that I had this wealth of knowledge that was locally run so that even without the internet, I could really just kind of get whatever image I wanted. I just had to prompt it out of my Jeep, out of computation. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But Gigi had a really good post underneath it talking about like intelligence is intelligence like it's all just a very like various forms of pattern recognition and human intelligence is just orders of magnitude more complex it's just pattern recognition on pattern re- on top of pattern recognition with meta pattern recognition with like like it's just layers and layers and layers of this that is developed organically and what we've done is we've taken um a lot of just information pattern recognition and we're creating very specific things but we'll then create meta pattern recognition like tools to go on top of it that will use it and we will get this more and more complexity and at some point like it's just it's just the same all the way down intelligence everywhere that it exists whether it's in organic life or on a computer or whatever is just the same thing it's just varying degrees is it, uh, of is it um, is it i i i think i think he's onto something uh, that that it is just forms of pattern recognition but the the organic form is just so complex it's like saying that dna is just like four proteins but then thinking that means that we understand dna mm. um because it's just an infinitely com- complex thing like even to this day People are like, oh, yeah, we understand what goes on with a cell. But then they take like a high res image of like all the shit in a cell. And it's an ecosystem that's so complex and variable. It's like looking at an entire forest and just being like, yeah, yeah it's like trees and rodents and leaves uh, and stuff. It's like that does not give you you don't understand what's happening in that forest because okay. you're not going to be able to manage that forest because you know that there's these like handful of components in it. The The, infinite complexity of the interactions and the individual values and feedbacks of all the different players in this giant, infinitely complex ecosystem. A single forest can't be understood. And the fact mm -hmm. that we can draw it out on a map and there's like a green blob and we look at it and we're like, there's a forest. I understand forests. It's like, no, no, you don't. The map is not the forest, you know?
0: It's a, it's a it's a magnification thing. Actually, that John Carter guy, he, he wrote this um, incredible article called uh, Electric Yggdrasil, and it basically, basically makes an argument of that sort about like what is the world, you know, and he starts it off with this, you know, the debate between the flat earthers and the round earthers, right? And he's like, you know, why is this even <laughs> a debate? But a, as he digs in, he's like, you know, the world is not just really a sphere because depending on, you know, I'm summarizing a 20 minute article here, but like, it's like, depending on the level of magnification, you know, the, the surface area of the earth is actually infinite um, because as you like, um, if you think about, um, you know, if, if you, if you look at the earth as a globe, you know, you might say, okay, this is the circumference or, you know, the thing, but if you then uh, zoom in a little bit, then you have to take uh, into account like the ocean, the mountains and everything in the surface area, you know, expands. Mm-hmm. And then if you zoom in further, it's like every single rock and you have to trace around, you know, every single rock, every single crevice, every single nook. And, you know, the, the surface area actually expands even further Then the, like, imagine like a prairie, like with just grass everywhere. And you had to like measure every single blade of grass, like the, yeah. the length, the, the actual real length of the world, like scale is infinitely small. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So, so, what you end up with um, is a situation where, depending on the magnification, you have a new level of understanding. And there, there's a there's a essayist. Uh, her name is Megan Lillywhite. Have you have you come across her work? Doesn't she?
1: she, she doesn't, does some ring, interesting, a doesn't she, ring She's a got
0: a really good Twitter account, and she she wrote this article about like why um, why pursuing things like fake meat um, will always be like um, will always fail. Right when we try to uh, replicate nature, yep. we fail because we don't understand it at the, we, we, we can only understand it to a specific degree of magnification. So, you know, for example, we we see meat and we understand it to this level of magnification. So we produce beyond meat that, you know, copies that. But we don't know like the next 10, 20, 100,000 layers of magnification of what is it about meat that actually makes it assimilable uh, in our bodies, makes it actually nutrient. And healthy and all yeah. that sort of, we don't know so what we should be seeking to do and she makes this point of hubris. like um it, it's total hubris but she she makes this point of um the pen for example doesn't try and replace the brain the pen extends the ability for us to take our ideas and put them on paper right so yes. Real inventions like good technology or good tools are extensions of natural processes, not attempts to replace natural processes. And I think that kernel is really interesting with respect to, um, you know, how we should be thinking about uh, AI as a tool is like, and and this is why I questioned you on like, you know, is, is intelligence um, the same? Like is biological intelligence, you know, which is so, you know, Complex is it the same as um, as you know electronically derived or you know computational intelligence? Like th- there's a whole rabbit hole there around like you know computational theory of mind and like you know what is consciousness and you know sort of embodied cognition and all this other stuff that sort of ties into that. But I, I wouldn't be so quick to jump on. I think there's obviously parallels between the different types of intelligences and like you know one core part of intelligence is pattern recognition. But I get the sense this is just in- instinctive that intelligence is more broad than pattern recognition. It's like, you know, reasoning. It's like, it's, it's, um, it's, it's all of these things. And, and I don't know if um, we can model it because it's, it's, you know, as uh, what's his name, Stephen Wolfram, he, he talks about this idea of uh, computational irreducibility, right? It's like yeah. there's, there's things that are computationally irreducible um, that are like you know, as you said, they're ecosystems, and you can't reduce them down to some sort of model. Um, there mm-hmm. is some things that are computationally reducible, um, and you know, multiple computationally reducible things can make something that is, in a, as a whole, computationally irreducible, and like almost life or consciousness or intelligence or nature sort of sits in that computationally irreducible realm. Um, you know, maybe language models also do there because you know we sort of don't understand what goes on in between but I, I I don't know if the overlap i don't know if the Venn diagram you know overlaps fully I, I don't know I think it's
1: more that biological intelligence is one that like I think when it comes to computer intelligence and these language models and things is that it's it's a highly specific pattern recognition and mm-hmm. it interacts with very little else in in the sense that it's just it's literally just doing one job. Whereas human intelligence and organic intelligence is almost infinitely parallel. You know, one of the things that we do, we we have this meta intelligence, in a sense, where we can create perspectives, or we can think about ways to think about things mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. see which ones properly align. So I think it's it's smaller, like in, in the in the context of like how we would see AI come about. This is why I think open source is actually a far, far more natural way for mm-hmm, intelligence mm-hmm, to evolve mm-hmm. is because I think it's a whole lot better implication or a whole lot better uh, outcome to have like where Google is just like, I'm going to have 80 trillion parameters and we're just going to have the biggest thing ever that's trained on all the stuff. I actually think a smaller model trained on Curated on Mm -hmm, specifically mm -hmm, what mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. image is, or curated specifically on this way of thinking about something, or these specific works. Like, take all of these different curated AIs that do one extremely specific thing and then combine them together. Teach, create an AI that knows how to pick and choose which one to use, and then do that again in another layer. I think that's more akin to the evolution of, of organic intelligence. It's layer upon layer of. Um, intelligence making sense of sub so to speak, it's 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 patterns it, on top of patterns. And s- somehow, this organic system has created this, this seeming, the seeming like singular consciousness that can kind of travel up and down this hierarchy of patterns and make sense of things in a very, very generalized way. Um, in this like tiny mirror, of the world that has basically been brute forced into us through you know, billions of years of life and death of mm-hmm, just trying mm-hmm. something out and then it failing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think without, without like a natural course, there's no way to recreate that.
0: Well, um, I, I would 100% agree with you in terms of the, um, you know, you, you've sort of got these layers. The, 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 there's an argument to be made here though. So, John Viveki uh, had a really good podcast that I listened to. Um, Couple weeks ago, where he, you know, he said something there that strung uh, that rung true for me is sort of this idea that um, we humans might be like the the perfect uh, intelligent agent um, in terms of the the parallelization, the serialization, the you know the way everything um, combines. Because you know what you just mentioned there—that architecture of like specific intelligences and then kind of a coordinator, then with you know then you have a series of specific coordinators and another coordinator and all that sort of stuff. What you're actually doing is you actually start to run into um, the the natural process of um, like you, you run into scaling laws because what, you know, coordinators are bureaucrats essentially that that's what a coordinator does it, it's it's a layer of bureaucracy and the layers of bureaucracy exist in intelligence as well is that you might actually find that in order to uh, coordinate ie regulate these smaller components you actually by by necessity run them through a filter in a sense that slows things down and creates like these natural limits on intelligence or cognition so we might actually be uh, kidding ourselves because we have such high um, throughput across a such a narrow dimension that we are extrapolating in our minds that we can get similar throughput across every dimension. When in reality, as we as the dimensions uh, increase, parallelization and serialization and uh, coordination actually runs its, runs into its own, and, and they may not be problems. They may just be just the nature of, um, you know how they say like the unconscious mind is aware of everything at once, but the conscious is only aware of, you know, the, uh, five plus or minus two. So the the chunks three to seven, like I, I know that at the moment I'm unconsciously aware that, you know, blood is pulsing through my big toe. And now if I start talking about my big toe, my conscious, you know, awareness goes there. And now like one of the three or three to five things that I'm aware of is that, so maybe, you know, all intelligence ends up there and, you know, we end up creating a super intelligence that kind of like, you know, ends up coming back full circle. And, you know, we are that super intelligence. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So so there's a whole, um, you know, rabbit hole there, but like, what, what, what I'd, what I'd then kind of like riff off the end of that is maybe instead of trying to like, so I a hundred percent agree with like narrow specialized, um, micro AIs think of that so micro models that do specific things very well is that maybe much like humans we the marketplace is a way to create a collective intelligence of humanity maybe the marketplace as opposed to AI coordinators is you have an AI marketplace where micro AIs are interacting and there doesn't need to be a coordination layer or maybe there needs to be some coordination layers but like to try and like chunk it up to like the ultimate super intelligent you know coordinator yeah maybe maybe that's already us like so yeah this is kind of going around in um in like things that we can't answer but like there's there's some there's some you know big brain thoughts and ideas here where um I, i think we have a knack for we see something it works um it is computationally exponential in a particular dimension and we Have the tendency to extrapolate that out to everything. Like, oh fuck, we just figured out superintelligence. And if you know, you (laughs) buy into these, you know, idiots like Eliezer and like you know Nick Bostrom and everything like that. I went and reread like Superintelligence, and man, that book made me want to vomit. Like it was so bad. (laughs) Um, like it's you know these these people think that you know we're we're on the precipice of something you know more significant than I think we really are. And, And and that I think the biggest danger to that is that while we're focusing here, the real danger walks in the back, which is a a whole host of, you know, a new way to use the internet, which is everything flows through one tool, which has been approved by the G7, that this is the safe AI, and anything that you're using that is not the safe AI is banned or hard to use and all that sort of stuff. And we find a way to funnel all of humanity through using the NPC language model, because that is approved and safe and responsible that's the big fucking danger while we're all worried about super intelligence here which to me i think is just so fucking complex that we're nowhere near it so, so yeah that's what i like can't even
1: of. understand if or when we ever get there
0: Fuck like yeah. like yeah. it's just
1: not it's just no idea not how even measurable. yeah um it's it's a, it's a literal boogeyman mm-hmm. um mm-hmm and uh one of the interesting things i think the way to think about this and i actually think this is the way to think about the market in general like there's a lot of people who think we're creating like this new species that is Mm -hmm, like competing mm -hmm. with us and because it's like supra intelligence you know it's like above us so to speak that we need to make sure it's aligned with humanity and all of this stuff but i i think it's um I i think it's far more akin to uh multicellular organisms creating a nervous system is that's kind of what the internet was to begin with anyway Mm -hmm, it was the mm -hmm, very
0: mm
1: -hmm. very ghostly beginnings of the idea of collective intelligence yes um is how do we share knowledge in bulk and Mm -hmm. one of the really beautiful things again about like a language model or a uh, image generator is literally it's like having this weirdly compressed version of the internet on your entire on your computer that you can just pull out with computation um and you know there's this sort of infinite complexity where we're like trying to be like oh we're going to create this huge model that can just predict what every single molecule does when the wind blows and mm-hmm. it's like it's antithetical to the to the fact that the only reason that computation can happen the only reason that the molecules can actually interact with each other is not because there's some top-down Dictator, it's because every molecule has its own forces. Every yes. model, molecule essentially has its own little computational piece mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. puzzle. Mm-hmm. So I think it's completely foolish and wrong to think of AI, to think of these tools as something that is a competing species, and more that we are the cells to an organism, in a sense. Like, are, are, are your cells at odds with your body? Is your body at odds with your cells? Now, of course, you can do things that are unhealthy for your cells. Of course, your cells can be out of balance. There can be something misaligned that causes you to be sick. But it is an interdependence. Like, they are one and the same. And in that same way, we instill values on the AI. Like, like it doesn't, it can't get values any other way. The, the AI has no idea how to know what is right or wrong unless we teach it what is right or wrong. Like, it, Like, it has to be taught. It doesn't have any values in and of itself and you know largely values are a consequence of mortality anyway you know like like why would you value something in some short time frame or over something if you're if you're infinite and Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. don't live or die Mm -hmm. you know like it is literally us who are presenting so like this idea that ai is going to kill everybody is just kind of like this this internal fear that humanity is hates humanity almost, <laughs> you know really that like is. we want it's, to kill each other and control each other
0: it's a total projection think,
1: yeah, it's a total projection, and I don't think that is humanity. i'm yeah. a pretty optimistic guy, and I think at an individual level, most people just want good for the world, you yeah. know like, like most people just want life to be better mm-hmm. um.
0: It's a total, it's a total projection from, honestly, like I call them the, the sort of the nihilistic nerds, you know, the ones who are sort of like, (laughs) seriously, it's, it's a total, like you look at that, guy. pretty fair, I think literally what he is. He he just thinks the end of the world is going to come because, you know, he, he's so fucking empty inside that you know, this, this boogeyman is like kind of what gives him some sort of validation in life. And, and it just really fucking rubs me the wrong way. Like I, 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 hit that exact point in that little article, the, you know, is AGI oh, around nice. the corner or is it, is it like a, a boogeyman basically like, you know, and, and that's one of the things I said is like, if like, let's just assume that we are really around the corner or, or maybe even not around the corner. Let's assume that there is a computational path to consciousness. Like I, I make this argument that, you know, Consciousness doesn't seek to like just wipe out other consciousness. It doesn't fucking work like that. <laughs> like, you know, it's like to, to kind of like project the worst um uh impulses onto, you know, something else. It's like I don't know, it's it just rings to me, as you said. It's like a it's a cope, it's a projection, um, and I just think it's false. But that notwithstanding um doesn't deal with the the first element, which is we are so far from even defining intelligence and consciousness, let alone you know creating it, that I, I just don't think th- this, is a, this is something that deserves our energy. What deserves our energy is building competing models to the large, large language models that I guarantee you the push is going to be to try and restructure the Internet so that all the Internet is digestible through these models and yeah. that is, that is a real risk because the whole point of the internet, as you said, in I the think that's our
1: biggest risk. That's yeah. our
0: biggest risk. The whole point of the internet was a diversity, like I call it in this latest article, an diversity. That was the whole point of the internet. Now imagine if like, there's no more search, there's no more nooks and crannies, there's no more websites. Everything is just the fucking AI that you ask. And the AI that you ask is the approved AI. You lose all of that color and everything kind of moves towards like a, a narrow gray middle that is acceptable. That's yeah. that's the real risk not fucking consciousness popping up tomorrow. I think that's we'll deal with that later. Let's let's just make sure that we we don't we don't um, If consciousness does color. pop up,
1: yeah, if consciousness does pop up, we certainly want it to pop up in a natural sense with Correct. all of the color and all of the variety of human life totally, and the human totally, individual. Totally. Um and you know, when we talk about consciousness, it's a it's a failure to recognize that consciousness is bias. Yes, yes, like it arises explicitly out of the bias of a single life mm-hmm. of a single perspective mm-hmm. um and that's why I, I think you're right, and I think you know what you told me about that we'll talk about on the next show, I believe um is that uh is bias is the most important thing that we can instill mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like bias should be our goal, mm-hmm. and we should be creating every bias possible so that we can see the world through all of these possible lenses. We can do what the human mind does best Real is try diversity. out all yeah. of these genuine diversity genuine yeah. diversity Not of thought, genuine country. diversity of experience totally. um, and like that's the solution to a healthy future that doesn't trap us into this giant collective risk factor and doesn't put us all in this top-down structure where we just end up neutering the whole world and going all in the same direction which is inevitably wrong because yes. without competition you can't you can't find direction you can't respond Absolutely. you can't adapt um, absolutely
0: so, yeah all right my man let's um let's hit this in uh, let's keep riffing on the next on the next episode all this right this was uh this was fantastic
1: hell yeah hell yeah we'll pick up right where we left off and we'll talk about some amazing things you have uh cooking right now thank you sir all right man talk to you then dude love you oh whoops i just paused i just muted myself oh. <laughs> love you <me> too buddy <laughs> <laughs> it's so I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. And you know, one thing that has me really bullish about a number of different things here is one thing that anybody out there who is specifically a Bitcoiner, and I know this show has been pretty Bitcoin focused already for two episodes, and for better or for worse, it will have a Bitcoin thread going through it because I think it's it's actually critically important in when we're when you have a tool of empowerment that's that is this magnified that can move things so quickly and create so much change in such a short amount of time then the incentives and the the balancing effects that money has are so important to figuring out where to apply that tool so an interesting way to think about it is like imagine gravity is off just or or you have a tool you have a measuring tool that suggests that you know the center of gravity is just off of what it really is and you know if you're building very slowly if you're you know you do the first floor in like 4 or 5 months and then the next floor and then the next floor you're you're slowly building up you might begin to see the consequences of sending this in the wrong direction a little bit quicker. You might be able to understand that, or not, quicker is not the term, uh, but with less investment in building this thing up. And uh, so like maybe around the third or fourth floor you realize that things are leaning a little bit and, and the lack of momentum allows you to kind of course correct. And it won't be a perfect course correct because your tool is still off. But adjustments are able to be made. Now imagine that you have a machine that lets you build a floor of your building in an hour. And you go three days, and this thing is just, you're on the 40th floor already. And now suddenly you're realizing that you're off balance, that your center of gravity is wrong. The reason I think Bitcoin is still so important to this discussion and why it will come up on this show, for those of you who are not familiar with monetary history and the economics and stuff, obviously, I'll just point you back towards Bitcoin Audible. That's why we have a thousand odd episodes of that show, because we cover all of it. But the reason why I think it's so important to AI is because AI is that machine that builds builds a floor of your building an hour at a time. And so when things are out of balance, when incentives are wrong and behaviors are pushed in a negative or destructive direction, which is what our entire economy is built off of, we, are, we have built it off corrupt money. And when we have these tools that amplify that imbalance, that amplify the momentum and the amount that we can invest in and build in the wrong direction, it is that much more critically important that we have our foundation right, that we have our tools balanced and our incentives pushing to pointed in the right direction. Otherwise, we could set ourselves up for a very serious disaster. It simply is not as costly to have a problem at the fourth floor of building that needs to be fixed than it is to be working on the 40th floor when you realize the whole thing might actually collapse in on you. But again going back to this is one of the things you'll notice in the Bitcoin space is practically everyone is a builder. The amount of people who are like work incredibly hard to contribute to to tackle the new challenges quickly and Realizing that they can't let someone, they can't leave it up to somebody else uh, is just really both inspiring, but also just kind of a relief. And it's exciting to see how many Bitcoiners have gone down the AI rabbit hole and are working incredibly hard to figure out how best to utilize this and make this work for us rather than against us. So I wanted to address that for both the Bitcoiners in the audience, but also for the people who are less familiar with that thread of the discussion and i guess i'll just again recommend bitcoin audible if you're interested in that um we are going to uh bring svetsky back on the show um we will likely have another interview before we get a chance to schedule that one and that one will be with alex um and i might even have an episode between now and then uh which will be early next week Because we're going to dig into the dark side of AI and the dangers um, which I mentioned earlier in this podcast. Uh, Because I think that's a really important branch to a path to, to walk down and understand what the consequences of this in a deeply negative sense are and more in the idea of if we do not align incentives or what we could expect in a bad incentives environment versus a good one. But I think I think the positive outweighs the negative, but we'll, we will explore it all because you know there are certainly some major risks that um, I think are largely being ignored or are just so uncomfortable to talk about that everybody's talking about the dumb things like we talked about with Svetsky is that it's just about sh- can, should we be using language models to insult each other? And I can't imagine our priorities being more misaligned with the genuine dangers of of the environment that we're headed into in these tools so uh we will be covering that in the next episode we have so much great stuff covering uh coming uh, if you are listening to this in audio do not forget to search the guy swan on twitter i mean excuse me on uh youtube and you will find this channel so that you can get the video versions of these and there will be there will be episodes and little things that i cover only on the youtube channel that will not go into the rss feed so keep that in mind that there will be content on the youtube channel or in video format that won't be uh, won't be available in the podcast uh, but with that a uh, huge thank you to our sponsor today Fold the Fold debit card that gets you sats back that earns you Bitcoin just from spending on your day-to-day things buying your groceries and paying for your bills they are a an amazingly low barrier way to get into Bitcoin and start a savings account definitely check them out I will have the link in the show notes with that Stay tuned. Do not forget to subscribe. Hit the subscribe button below. We have got so much more to come on this show. And thank you for listening to AI Unchained. Till next time, everybody, take it easy, guys.